Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to when you RFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Judy Sharp today. Nice to see you back for the first time of the year, Judy. Thank you, Greg. But I, I kind of think he might have done this deliberately, being International Women's Day. Do you think he wanted to take his partner out for lunch or something? Quite possibly. Mm, dropped mum in it, didn't he? He's a bit of a softie at heart. <laughs> <laughs> What do you got for us today then, Judy? Oh, look, I need to talk about citrus. We need to talk about roses. We need to talk about new seedlings being planted for autumn. And I'd like to talk about a wonderful new plant called raven if we get time. Right, I might have to because you've brought it in today, so... Oh, yeah, 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 you got it. Don't I always bring in props? Always, always. <laughs> <laughs> Talking citrus today, Judy. Yeah, March and August are the months that you feed them, Greg. Yep. Um... And it's just a reminder that now's the time. Uh, we should discuss how to do it. Uh, if they're growing in the ground, you go under the drip line and you water it first and then you apply poultry manure and then you water that in. Now, right. of course, you're going to ask me what the drip line is, aren't you? Yes, I was going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> you did kind of have that look on your face. Uh, the drip line is the edge of the canopy because their feeder roots are right out from the tree. Oh, you don't yep. put it close to the trunk. Yep. Uh, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, you redo it, uh, you water the soil, and you apply um, citrus food. And then you water that in. And you do that again in August. Okay, yep. Now, the biggest problem at this time of year, I get reaction from people who come in and say, my citrus dropped all its leaves. I look at them. Is it growing in a pot? You do not put citrus fertiliser on citrus in pots. Okay, so if that kills it. Well, they do get they do come good, but everyone goes into panic because they're dropping leaves everywhere straight away. But uh, all they need is um, some slow-release fertiliser. For example, Bounce Back's a good one because it's a, got a neutral pH. Um, and it happens time and time again. Uh, I don't know what every brand has labelled on the packet, but the one we've sold for many, many years, once they had right across the front not to be used on potted plants, and right. that's gone. Right. You'd I, think they'd leave it on there. Well, you'd think they would, but, you know, um, the commercial world's a funny place, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Maybe best just don't have citrus in potted plants. <laughs> oh, no, they do very well. Everyone grows dwarf limes and lemons in the pots. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, have you got a citrus? No, I don't have a citrus. Only grass? No, I've got a raspberry bush. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other problem that is presenting at the moment are roses. Uh, Yesterday I would have liked $100 for every time someone came in and asked me, my roses are dropping their leaves. Oh, my roses got black leaves. Oh, what's the matter with them? Are they dying? No, um, it's just called black spot and we've had a lot of rain and it's a fungal disease. And what happens after the the fungus attacks the um, the leaves, yep. they die and they drop off. Mine look exactly the same, but it's my own fault, Greg, because if you give them a summer prune, which I didn't do this year, it tends to give them stimulus to fight off the black spot. Oh, okay. And the other thing you need to do is you need to fertilise your roses every month with something different. And at the moment, while we've had 
all the weather we've been having, uh, then you give them dolomite instead of a fertiliser and that sweetens the soil up again. And all this helps them fight off the black spot. But, you know, I found it very hard to convince one gentleman that came in that that's what it was. Uh, Was having none of it? Well, he was, but he kept showing me more and more photos of the same. Yep. Um, And, you know, I assured him that he was worried they were going to die, and I said, no, they're not going to die but can I prune them now? I said, no, it's too late to prune them now. You've got to wait until June or July yep. and just treat them with a uh, something like copper oxychloride, a fungicide, yeah, or even a rose, all-purpose rose spray will help. Okay. Yeah, but um, sometimes, you know, I mustn't sound positive enough or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need like a whiteboard or something to do diagrams as well. But, you know, as soon as I say mine are like that, everyone's kind of happy. Well, they just, they just assume, oh, it's natural then, it's normal. Yeah. And we've got Trevor from Borrigal, and he's got a question about the Mandarin tree. Hello, Trevor. How are you? Good, Judy. Yourself? Very well, thank you. Okay. Now, I have a Mandarin tree in my yard. It's a, I call it a Japanese seedless one. Right. And when we started with that big rain, I got that many mandarins on it, I couldn't even count them. About two to three hundred of them. Oh, good yeah, on you. It's, it's about six foot high. Yeah. And it just branched out and just had mandarins all over it. But every one of them got a fly. Oh, fruit fly. Yeah, but I'm just wondering if the water was too much for them. No, Trevor, I'll answer that simply by telling you that I've got a little lime tree. Um, Mm. I don't drink gin and tonics, but other members of the family do without (laughs) mentioning their names. Um, And I only ever get about five fruit on it. And this year I picked a a bag of 50 and took them down to number one son or number two son, but they both do it. And... um, you know, it's a bad habit, that gin and tonic. The mandarin tree was that the year, two years before it, I could have had four one year, five the next. Yeah, well, that's exactly what my lime did, and yeah. I attributed to getting the rain. Yes, yeah. I don't, that wouldn't have done it, darling. Fruit fly is very hard to evade now. Yeah, I Ma- put white oil on everything on it, but it didn't do any good. No, you didn't, you didn't think to hang baits around, did you? No. No, you see, you know, since we've lost Roger and Lebesid to the home garden market, uh, you know, everyone that grows tomatoes has fruit fly in it. But, you know, until recently, I'd never seen fruit fly attack citrus like they do. Oh, it was unbelievable. Mm, it's awful, isn't it? sad. And There's now, that many of them. Yeah. So next year, uh, the secret is going to be to hang traps in it. Ah, so what's it, what when you, when you talk traps? Oh look, um, you you can buy them probably anywhere. You live at Burrigal. I'm not sure yeah. where you get them. Uh, yeah, well we um we keep Searles traps, and mm. uh, they're a little plastic container, um, and they have a hole in it, of course, that the fruit fly flies in because they get the smell of the trap that's mm-hmm. in there, and they they get caught. They can't get out. 
Ah. And uh, the traps themselves aren't very expensive. You keep the container and you just keep buying a new trap. But each trap will last you about three months. Oh, okay. But in a tree, you know, I would say, you know, for a tomato plant, people only use one. But in a good-sized tree, I would be putting three or four. But you actually need to get them in the tree before the fruit ripens. Okay. Because it's when it softens that the fruit fly can pierce. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, so I'm sorry. There's no going back on that one this year, Trevor. Uh, but, um, what I did, I cut it all back and cut the centre out of it. I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. Out of the tree? Yeah. Yeah, look, generally citrus fruit on the old, um, you know, the old fruit uh, on the old... No, I've lost my memory. I haven't lost my memory. I've lost my voice. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Mandarin and citrus generally, uh, the fruit comes on the old wood. Yeah. So you mightn't get as many this year because you've pruned all that off, haven't you? Uh, no, I haven't. All oh, right. Okay. Well, yeah. Pruned the old wood. I just took. I just took a bit of the centre out. Yeah. Well, that's all right. That's fine. The new growth around the outside. Yeah. I cut that back too. Right, okay. So you did take some of the growth off the outside. Yeah. Yeah, well, you might... Look, what you're going to have to do is, as I just suggested, if you were listening, I'd fertilise definitely this month with the... Yeah, I missed what it was. Oh, okay, darling. It's poultry manure. Uh, And Yep, and three weeks later, some citrus food. Okay. And you do it again in August? August. And make sure you water the ground before you apply it out under the drip line. Yeah. And then after application, you water it in. Yep. And you do the same with the citrus. Okay. And then, All right, well, I'll do that. Okay, and get your traps ready. I had one, I had one or two come out that were all right, and they're absolutely beautiful. Did you have tomatoes growing in the... In no, the I haven't got tomatoes. I refused to grow them. Yeah, yeah. No, they're no. a real problem now. I've had too many problems with tomatoes. Yeah, but, you know, you never know. You know, there could be a few people in your neighbourhood growing tomatoes. and that They have. Of, yeah, well, there you go. A little lemon tree in a pot. Oh, right. So, but i got nothing on that yet, so okay. he's hoping. Well, what you don't do is give that one in the pot citrus food or poultry manure. No, I give it um, seaweed. Oh, okay, rightio. You could probably go one step further Mm. and maybe give it a slow release like bounce back. Okay. And I often hear Scott say to give them sudden impact for roses. The reason that is because sudden impact is alkaline and that's what citrus need. So you can do double, if you've got roses, you can use it on your roses and then use it on your um, one in the pot. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. I'll do that in the pot. And I'll guarantee you get fruit. I've got about nine lemons on it now. Right, right. Okay, well, don't let them... Of course. Don't let them get stung. No. No. I'm going to go and get a trap today. Okay, rightio. Good on you, Trevor. Thank you for the call. Thank you. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 and you are FM, and we've got Christine from Toronto, and she's got something sticky on her tortured willow. Hello, Christine. That sounds sad. Yeah, um, 
the, the tree, I don't know how old it is, but we've been here about 36 years. Um, but it's over the last few years, it's developed this like sticky substance with little black bugs in it. And when it falls onto other plants, it kills them. Oh, really? Um, sure now, it. is that sticky substance like gum? Yeah. Oh, okay. Look, I'm suspecting your willow has um, borer in it, my dear. Okay. Yeah, so you can actually see the sticky stuff running out, can't you? Mm. Look, there's not much you can do really, is it? You can try um, injecting malathon into it, uh, drilling in extra holes and inject malathon into it and plug the holes up with soap or putty. Okay. A- and the, um, the fumes from the malathon may drive the... Um, the What's the name out? The um, little black bugs. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's awful. You can't go up there and stand under. No, the... but I can't understand why the borers have got little black things in them. Mm, no, we've never seen anything like it before. And why it's killing any plants underneath? That's a bit of a mystery, one, darling. Um, yeah. But I, if you want to keep the willow, you will have to treat it. Yeah. Okay. Then more. So you. Wherever you see those holes, clean them out, inject in there with a malathon and then drill extra holes and inject again. Uh, Sometimes even when you get a bit of wire and you dig around in that hole, you'll get the borer out. But it does sound like, you know, it's got quite a hold on the willow and they are a bit prone to it. Yeah, it's a shame to have to get rid of it, you know, I don't really... If it's got to be, it's got to be, but I'll try the malathon first. Yeah, try the malathon first, and I mean, it shouldn't be suffering from lack of water. See, we get borer attack when we've when it's very dry, but, it, yep. you know, this summer we certainly haven't had dry, have we? Right. So um, I can't really offer any other suggestion than that, but I'm pretty sure you're going to have borer. Okay, Christine, give us a ring later on a couple of weeks. Let us know if it's still going alive. I'll do that. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank Thanks. you very much. Bye. Bye. Bit of a mystery one, that. Yeah, yeah, particularly the little black insects. It's one of those ones that you probably need to go and look at. Yep. Yeah. Maybe, well, possibly not taste it, though, if it's poisoning everything. <laughs> oh, it's very strange, yeah. We've got Brian now from Swansea, and he's got a question about the lemons. Hello, Brian. What can I help you with? Well, a couple of things. Um, I rang up last week and I, I gave Scott a, a kill for black spot on roses, which he, he might not have told you about yet. But um, this time I, I just heard you talking about lemons and you were saying, uh, you know, oh, dolomite. So putting dolomite and you mentioned something about roses because it raises the pH. No, no, we weren't talking about dolomite. We're talking about poultry manure. Uh, You you said something about uh, something raised the the pH in the soil. Oh, yes. If you use sudden impact, it's alkaline. That's it. That's what I... Yeah, sudden impact. But you can... um, uh, When they're ground grown, you can just use poultry manure because it's alkaline. Yeah, but with the when you were saying with a sudden impact, so um, for roses raising the soil. So when I grow 
blueberries. I use a, an azalea, camellia and rose mix and that's because the... Um, and like it acidic. Yes, I was wondering why why you were saying to uh, raise the pH in the, in the rose soil. If, if it's just because roses like uh, alkaline soil as well. Oh, so they, they can have it sort of alkaline or acidic? No, no, they like alkaline. I always give my roses poultry manure. Right, okay, okay, yeah. Does that solve the problem? I I probably didn't make myself sound clear enough. Well, I just wondered why the the roses, alia and camellia mixes, um, I thought it was an alkaline mix. No, no. Sorry, no, no, I mean I thought it was an acidic mix. Azalea and camellia would be acidic. But roses are alkaline. Yes, definitely. The same as citrus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's just what um, what I what I wanted to know. I was just wondering why, why, why you were saying to raise it because I've got roses. My roses uh, do really well, but I I do use poultry manure in them. Yeah. Well, that's why you're doing well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but you yeah. could put the poultry manure around your lemon as long as it's in the ground. Yeah. No, mine's in a, in a pot. Oh, well, don't use the poultry manure. Try no, your no. sudden impact or bounce back. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much, Judy. Thanks, Brian, for the call. Bye. Bye. We've got Mick now from Fern Bay and something's eating your spinach. Hello, Mick. <laughs> Hello. And not humans. <laughs> no, not humans. <laughs> I've got a problem. Um, are they baby ones or developed? Um, no, they're about three or four inches high when I buy them in the punnet. Right. And I plant them, and a few days later, something eating them. Now, I've put out, I don't know whether it's the right thing or not, I've put out some some snail pellets. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to stop it. And I'm just wondering what it could be. Well, if it was snails, you're going to see the tracks, aren't you? Yeah, there's nothing there, so it's not snails. No. Well, you know, if you go out with your torch at night... I'll bet you find little green grubs all over them which go down into the soil during the day. Okay, so what can I put on them? Well, then you'll need to spray. um, Look, you could try pyrethrum if you don't like using, you know, any chemicals. Uh, But you'll have to also try and get it down into the soil as well. Yeah, pyrethrum. Yeah. All right, I'll give that a go because, you know, I love me spinach but I can't get to it. <laughs> no, well, you've got to catch the uh, you've got to catch the critter, you know. Yeah, yeah. but often pyrethrum, yeah. Okay, uh, I'll get some of that. And uh, the other thing is, keep your eye out for the white butterflies. They'll be around at this time of year, waiting for cabbage and collies. Uh, yeah. But it mightn't hurt you actually to buy some dust to put on your spinach as well. What sort of dust? Oh, you know, a dust that you'd use on cabbage, uh, like a deris dust. Not on tomatoes. No, no. no. That's different dust. Yeah, yeah, that's this. Mm. Well, have you got tomato dust? Yeah. Oh, well, okay, try that on the spinach. Try All that. It, I, I didn't know whether to or not. Yeah, it won't hurt. I mean, obviously, there are mm. spinach are only babies and yeah, you want so them to I'll, grow. I'll, I'll try that dust and then I'll get some pyrethra on and spray. Okay. And, and we, hopefully we'll have a feed of spinach. Hopefully you will. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mick. Bye. Bye. It's Guiding Talk back on to when you are at FM. If you'd like to ask a question, 49216216. We've got Eric from Maitland. 
and he wants to know when he should treat rust on the underside of his frangipani leaves. Hi, Eric. How are you? Going all right, going all right. I was just wondering when's the best time to spray for rust on frangipanis. Well, have you noticed how much there is around this year? I'm gathering it's all the rain that we've had. Uh, normally the rust comes a bit later, but I've had a lot of people coming in with it. Uh, you can treat it now if you've got it. Okay, and... And it's copperoxychloride. Yeah, copperoxychloride. Just spray it on the underside of the leaves yes. and around the drip line? Or? Yeah, on, underneath the leaves. You have to get it on, on the rust. Okay, okay. I've got a couple of trees that are nearly you know, six metres tall, so, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a challenge, so... Yeah, but you've probably, have you got one of those pump-action sprayers, you know, with a long handle? Yeah, 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 with the one where I mix it up and put it in the bucket. Oh, right, right, okay. But you haven't used it for anything nasty, have you? No, no. No, that's all right. Uh, oh, hang on, Malathon ages ago. No, that's all right, that's fine. Um, look, I find that sometimes you need a follow-up spray in probably about 10 days. And that should do the trick. But it is normally that, you know, the rust comes later in the season, but I think we've just had such a wet summer this year. Oh, fair enough. And I heard you talking about citrus. Yep. Um, I've got two, I've got a mandarin tree and an orange tree inside a chookyard. Um, I don't don't want to be putting any fertiliser down there for them to peck at. Uh, so just the chicken manure should keep them Oh, definitely, over. yeah. What are they, yep. next to the chook pen or in the chook pen? In the chook pen, they scratch and carry on around it all the time. Like oh, no, there. no, that's ideal, yep. Not a worry. Okay, yep. look, thanks for your time. That's all right. Thank you, Eric, and good luck thanks. with the frangipani. No worries. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So we've got Noel from the Central Coast, and he's looking for some suggestions for getting rid of fruit fly. Oh, Noel, or have you got some suggestions for us? Yeah, I've got some suggestions. Hi. Um, yeah, the, um, I just use milk bottles because we all enjoy a bit of milk. Um, they're easy to come by and so forth. And you can get a, um, a packet of uh, trap tops from a big hardware store. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they work really, really well. And um, I use what uh, Wild Mate fruit fly attractant. It is kind of expensive, but if you like your tomatoes and citrus, um, yeah, you get 50% more yield. Yeah, well, that's what I find with any of the traps. We also have, you know, just the yellow sticky traps. Some people like those to hang in the trees. Yep, uh, but yep. I like the method of when they actually fly in and they're trapped there. So yeah, yeah. are you saying you use glass milk bottles? Uh, no, 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 plastic ones. Oh, uh, plastic. I, yep. Um, I drink uh, um, expensive milk, but, um, yeah, and I spray the bottom of the bottle so it stops the evaporation. Right. Um, and I put about 10 mil in the bottom, and that lasts for around about three to four weeks, and then just replenish it. And, yeah, it seems to work for me, and any fruit that is... Um, hit by uh, the fly, I freeze it before throwing it in the bin. Oh, good idea, good idea. Yeah. But, Noel, you know, in the city areas too particularly, most people don't even clean up under the trees and the 
you know, their garden beds. And yeah. that's part of the secret, as you know, to yep, eliminate yep. the fruit fly. You've got to uh, dispose of that uh, contaminated fruit. Fruit, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the biggest part of it. Cause it is, yeah. Grow and grow and grow. And, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, we're all busy people today, aren't we? And, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah. Not many of us at home actually spending time in the garden like they used to, um, or like we used to. Uh, yeah. But certainly, um, you know, I would reassure people that it does help to pick up the uh, the contaminated fruit, whether yeah. it be tomatoes or you know stone fruit. Uh, at yep. this time of year, the fruit fly loves us, doesn't it? Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah they're, they're everywhere. Yeah, uh, I can go and have a look at my trap down there now and. Um, it, apparently, it's um, best to put it on the eastern side too. I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I read that somewhere. So, well, my favourite cure is uh, not cure treatment is um, painting the tomato steak with malathion and white oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sorry, malathion and Vegemite. The Vegemite, the fruit yeah. flies attracted to, and they eat it. I tried that. Didn't it work um, for you? Uh, not as good. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think it's a case of now we've got to try a bit of everything, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I've been experimenting and experimenting, and um, this is what I've come up with now. Um, I'll say the um, <clears throat> wild maize is a little bit expensive, but um, looking at the bottle now, 1998 for a litre. Um, it's cheaper the more you buy. Um, but... Uh, What's that yeah, called again, Noel? What was that wild, called? Wild May. Wild May. Yeah. What company produces that? Has it got it on the bottle? It has. It's um, pesticide-free, law-attracting and killing the male Queensland fruit fly. Um, so ACN, it attracts the male, right. Yeah, which is the... Um, well, I believe it would be the, the one that, that lays the eggs. Yeah, I think uh, the female lay the eggs. But is it spelt W-I-L-D-M-A-Y? W-I-L-D? Yeah. May, M-A-Y. M-A-Y. Yep. Thank you for that because I know other listeners will be interested probably in looking for that. So... Yeah, it's from Cooper's Plains, Queensland. Oh, Rightio. Well, I'll have to hunt that down, track it down. for. Thank you very yep. much, Noel, for that. I appreciate it. Thank you, yep. dear. All Bye. Bye. We've got time for a couple more callers. We've got Fred from Western and his rhubarb plants won't ripen. Oh, Fred, that's sad. If you like rhubarb tart. <laughs> I love rhubarb tart. Rhubarb <laughs> and apple. Beautiful. Oh, it is too. And why aren't they ripening this year? Do you think lack of summer a little bit? Well, I don't know. I've, I've got the one that's in the ground. It's a three huge plant with huge leaves. Yeah. And I've got two other little ones that are in pots. They do, but they're only very thin. They're only about as big as a pencil. The one up the back, it's, it's, oh, it's nice and wide. You know, it's broad. Oh, how long's that been in there, Fred? Been in there for a oh, Well, it's been in there a couple of a couple of. Uh, Years, yeah. Get some of them last year, but this year it's a, it, there's plenty of 
stalks on it, but they just won't go red. You know, I do believe, and we did grow rhubarb at the nursery in a garden, uh, mainly because Simon, Scott's brother, loved rhubarb tart. Um, and it got so bad that he was giving rhubarb to our customers who would cook him tarts. And I used to find that a bit embarrassing, but anyway, he got a lot. And one lady brought in a rhubarb cake one day. But we actually split that plant every three years. Oh, yeah. So I'm wondering if it's getting a bit old and it needs splitting up. It's very healthy looking. It's, uh, you know, it's really nice, big green leaves and big stalks. But yeah, but if it's been in there a while, it just honestly might just need splitting up. I know you can split them up, I've heard that. Look, I've only been in Western two years. I'm a city slicker, really. Oh, the backyard in Newcastle is about as big as two billion tables. <laughs> <laughs> I know another um, uh, very good gardener that lives in Weston, and his name is um, Brian, and he owned a nursery in Newcastle. And he's oh, moved yeah. up to Weston, so if you're walking around and you see an incredible garden, you'll know it's his. Um, so you can always stop and ask him a question too if you get stuck. I've asked a few folks in the pub and they know a little bit about the gardening, you know, different things. Yeah. No, no one seems to know why it's... Uh... No, look, honestly, I think it oh, needs yeah, splitting. Well, they've been here two years, as I say, and we put it in... Oh, so it might be 18 months to going on two years old. The other thing to do, of course, is maybe boost it up with some sulphate of potash. Well, I, I buy chicken manure. Mm, I don't I know. know. May- that. And break that down and putting in poly mix and I top it up now and again, you know. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure, but I think rhubarb might like acidic soil and if you're using poultry manure, you've gone the other way. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe try the sulphate of potash for a while and see and um, leave the... potash, yeah. Yeah, yep. And it's a, it's a shame that they're not going ripe and a couple of them have died away and they've gone white sort of thing, you know, and I'm quite... I'm nearly crying because I'm losing them. Oh, yeah, no, that's no good, darling. But is there anything else we can help you with? No. Uh, now, uh, last year I drew some uh, pumpkin vines. Oh, yeah. Mm. I did quite well with them, but I've a couple of them went rotten, so I'm not too sure when I should pull them off the vine. Right. Look, it's fairly simple. When you're pulling fruit off a fruit tree, if they come easy, uh, they're ready to be picked. And you will also notice that their their attachment to the vine, their little stem that's attached to the vine, that yeah. starts to shrivel. Oh, yeah, when that starts to die away, they're ready to pull off the vine. That's exactly right. Okay. I did grow some uh, rock melons, and they, uh, I think of the little bit I read about, and I said, let them drop off, which we did. We had three rock melons off that one vine, so... Yeah, well, I find with any any melons, you do wait till that little shoot shrivels. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank yeah, you for the call, well, Fred. Rhubarb, but it, it's real skinny. Is there anything I can do with that? Pot has to do with that? Yeah, you could do that, but maybe it's letting you know it wants to be in the ground. Yeah, well, yeah. Right, then, thanks very much, Judy, for That's that. It's okay, Fred. I hope we've helped. Yeah, I hope I'll be able to do something about it. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Goodbye. We've got time for one more call, Diane from Mayfield, and she's got a question about mandarins. Hello, Diane. What can I help you with? Oh, good morning. Um, I thought you might have um, 
answered my question when you spoke to that fellow this, this morning about mandarin trees, but mine's a little bit different. Ah, uh, you've got citrus leaf miner, have you? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got at least 100, 150 mandarins on my tree, little ones, and but they're just all falling off. Right, okay. Well, they... They need something like sulphate of potash when the fruit's actually setting. So now? Uh, yeah, have you still got blossom on there? Um, no, I don't think so. No, well, you'll have to wait till it starts to get blossom on again and then start to apply the sulphate of potash. Okay. Okay, I, dear. I have some of that I did. So, right. um, well, you can yeah. even start doing that now. Okay. Because there's still a lot on there. Okay. Okay, try that. Thanks, Diane. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Diane. Well, we're out of time. We are, too, and I wanted to talk about that new raven plant. You can quickly mention it. Okay, okay, I really will. The wonderful new indoor plant is called raven, uh, and it's a Zanzibar gem. Yep. But it grows green shoots, and then they turn black. So on the plant at the same time, you have green shoots and black shoots. They are quite black shoots. They are. Wait till the green ones go black too. It's a miracle. (laughs) But the other miracle is, Greg, they don't like to have water. That's brilliant. Mm. That's pretty much every non-gardener's dream. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Judy Sharp. And we'll be back. Scott Sharp will be back next week. I presume. We we presume. We presume. If not, I'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.